Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Tonight we're wrapping up a series that we've been in for the past couple of weeks, and this series is called Kingdom Prayers. And uh, for those that maybe have missed a week or haven't been here, I'll just kind of give you a, just a little background and then jump into what we have for tonight, but uh, the, the fact of the matter is that, that we may come back to this at some point in the future. I'm ending it for now, but we may do a kingdom prayers part two at some point because there's, there's a lot more Bible-based prayers that I think that we can incorporate into our lives. And so what we've been doing the past couple of weeks is we've been focusing on some prayers that are kingdom Prayers, they're found in the Bible. They're right out of Scripture. And so these aren't prayers like, God, help me have a good day. Bless, bless my food. Uh, th- these aren't prayers like, help me, help me to do a good job on my presentation at work or my presentation at school or, or, or a prayer like, Lord, help me win the lottery that I don't even play because it's gambling, but perform a miracle and help me win it anyway. So it's not prayers like that. It's not the prayers that sometimes that we're quick to pray because they're things that we want or they're things that that we care about. And I'm not saying to stop praying those prayers. You keep praying because God delights in doing good things for his children. Amen. It's it's the great the good pleasure of God to bless you, and so keep keep praying that way. But uh, I want I want you to know those kind of prayers are they're about us, and they're about what we want, and we need to learn to pray about what God wants. Amen. It's kind of quiet in here tonight, but I'm I'm just trusting y'all are gonna get with me at some point along the way, and I'm just gonna trudge on. But we we need to we need to learn to pray into a, in 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 alignment with the word. We, we need to learn to pray in, a, in alignment with his will and his wants more than our wants. So in week number one, we prayed, search me, oh God, search my heart, reveal my fears and point out my sins and lead me. And I hope you've continued to pray, search me. I hope you've continued to utilize that. And then last week, we prayed a hard prayer, a difficult prayer, a a prayer our flesh doesn't like us to pray, but we prayed, break me, O God. Break me so that there's nothing that is between you and I, so there's nothing that is keeping me from, from being in a posture and position for you to work in me and through me in the way that you want me to. Break me, and I'm inviting you, your presence. I'm inviting your spirit. I'm inviting your word to break me so that I can be remade into your image. And so that's, that's what we've covered the last couple of weeks. But tonight, I want to talk about and lead us to pray a prayer of availability. And Brother Ben's not in here. He's speaking upstairs tonight, but he was all over uh, what I'm going to be speaking about in his opening there, and uh, we'll get to it in just a minute. But uh, they're having retro night up in Lifeline tonight. And some of you may not know this, but Brother Ben and Sister Lakeisha used to be our youth pastors. And it's been a number of years now, but they've got him back upstairs. And then Darius, I believe, is speaking as well. He used to be a young person up there, and so they're hearing from both of them tonight. But tonight here, we're going to talk about a prayer of 
availability. And the truth is that in the Word of God, in Scripture, uh, throughout the Bible, we see that God calls people. He speaks to people. He prompts men and women to take a step of faith, to follow him. He prompts us. He, he, he moves his people with a burden so that they will do what it is that he wants done. God, through the word, we see that he will lead people to get involved with a cause that really might not have been a cause that they recognized beforehand, but because God began to deal with them, God began to lead them. They got involved in something or they got to a point where they were willing to to say something or go somewhere and proclaim the truth. So in in a nutshell, we see in the word of God that he calls those who know him to do something that he wants done. We see this repeated over and over and over. If you're my children, if you're my people, if God begins to to, to deal with someone, have a relationship, he will call them to do something that he wants done. And so we kind of say that like this around here at the Life Church. We, We say that at the Life Church, God calls us to make a difference. We love God, we love people, and then because of that, those two converge that we ought to step up and make a difference with our lives. And so in the Bible, we see several examples about how God's call gets responded to, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to share three of them with you real quick. And and number one, here's here's the first point. The first response that we see uh, to the call of God that I want to point out tonight is this, here I am. I'm not going. Yeah, you thought, I, you, thought you knew what I was going to say, the, the second part, right? Here I am. I'm not going. So can anyone guess tonight who in Scripture I might be talking about to kind of bring this point to bear? Yeah, good. I, I had some hints ready and everything. Man, it's going to try to tip it off. You guys are just Bible, Bible scholars. So, yes, Jonah. Jonah. So when when God called Jonah to go and preach to the city of of Nineveh, he wanted him to go and preach repentance to that that city. Jonah responded this way. Instead of saying, here I am, send me, he said, here I am, I'm not going. And so we're going to read about it. Jonah chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, this is what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And what did Jonah say at the beginning of verse number 3? But Jonah, or not what did he say, what did he do? But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it. See, that's what happens when you, when you don't do what God says. You go down. You don't go up. You go down. And so this is what Jonah was doing. He, he, went, he went down. He went in the wrong direction, and he went, he went down, and he went to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So in essence, Jonah said, you can call me, Lord, but I'm not going. You can have a a purpose for me, but I'm not going to do it. You can have a plan for my life, but I'm not interested. So I wonder if any any of you have ever done something similar to what we see old brother Jonah do here. 
God called you to do something and you stood still. God called you to do something and you went in the opposite direction. Maybe you didn't take it to the extreme that, that Jonah did. Maybe, maybe you didn't totally run to another city and run in the opposite direction to another location altogether, but, but you didn't, you, in that moment, you didn't do what God was calling you to do. Something, come on, if you'll be honest with yourself, there's been times that maybe you just, you didn't answer, you didn't obey, and you know what, so many times we talk about this, and we want to hear the voice of God until we don't want to hear what the voice of God is saying. So Sometimes God's speaking, we're going, no, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear, I don't want to hear that, right? We want to hear the voice of God as long as he's saying what we want him to say. But when he's not saying what we like, we don't want to hear the voice of God anymore. But God, God, maybe for you at some point in your past, he was calling you to step out in faith, and you didn't. Maybe he was calling you to reach out to someone, and, and you didn't. Or he was prompting you to say something, or he was leading you to help that person. But yet your response was like Jonah's, and you didn't do what it was that God wanted you to do. Well, I'm going to raise both hands tonight and tell you I've been there too. I've been there as well. I have felt prompted to do something that I didn't do. I've, I've felt prompted to do something that I delayed in doing. Eventually got around to it, kind of like Jonah, but I, I delayed in doing it. And if you've ever lived for the Lord for any period of time, you, you have likely experienced what I'm talking about as well. You, you feel called to help, but you were too busy. You, you felt prompted to serve, but maybe, maybe it was beneath you or it was going to require more sacrifice than you were able to make or willing to make at that time. Or you, you felt led to give to that cause. You felt led to give to that, that, that thing, but you closed your fist instead of opening your fist. I love you, Lord. I want to I serve you. I'm going to go to church and clap and, and have a good time with the people of God. I love you, but I'm not going. And that's exactly what Jonah did. The second response to the call of God that I want to point out tonight is this. Here I am. Send someone else. Any guesses on who in the Bible might represent this point? Again, it's the Old Testament. Moses. Very good. Very good. Basically, when God called Moses, when he called him, he said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses responded by saying, here I am, Lord. Send somebody else. <laughs> Send my brother. Send Aaron. This is a little bit outside my comfort zone. This, this is a little bit outside of my gifting. I think you've got the wrong person. I think you meant my brother because he's well spoken. So in verse 10 of Exodus 3, this is what God said to Moses, come now therefore and I will send you. Moses, I know who I'm talking to. I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now Moses, listen, he would have agreed with the premise. He would have agreed with the need that, hey, yeah, we need a deliverer. We need somebody to step up. We need someone to lead us out of captivity. He would have agreed the need was there, but instead of saying, yes, Lord, I'll go, this is what Moses said in the 11th verse of that chapter. He said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? 
and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. That was his response. Well, I see the need. I'm not arguing about the need, but who am I? I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. Somebody else would do a much better job than I would. I'm here, Lord, but send someone else. You know what? That's easy for us to do as well. When God calls us, we like to pass the buck sometimes. When God calls us, we're thinking, you know what? Surely somebody else is hearing that call. When, when, God, when God taps us on the shoulder, many times instead of looking to acknowledge that it's God, we just look over our shoulder to find somebody else. Well, they've got more money than I do, then surely they're the one that's supposed to give. They, they've got more time than I do. They're a stay-at-home mom. They've got all the time in the world. I'm saying that facetiously. You can laugh. She can do it. He, he can do it. They're better equipped than I am. I, I don't have time to do this. Here I am, God. Send someone else. Let someone else serve. Let, let someone else volunteer. Let someone else be committed. Let someone else sacrifice. Jonah says, here I am. I'm not going. And Moses says, here I am. Send somebody else. But there's a third response to the call of God that I'd like to point out. And this is a kingdom prayer that I want us to pray. And it's found in Isaiah 6 and 8 where the prophet Isaiah said this, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now I want you to notice Isaiah's uh, prayer in response to the call of God. Here's what Isaiah said. Then I said, Here I am, send me. I want you to notice that before Isaiah responded, here I am, send me, that Isaiah didn't ask, where are you going to send me? What do you have up your sleeve, Lord? What are you thinking? Are you going to send me first class? Or am I riding coach? Or am I walking? He didn't ask, am I going to like it? Am I going to be good at it? What all is involved? What all does it entail? How much of my time is this going to take? He didn't ask, how much is this going to cost me, right? He didn't ask any of that. He simply signed a blank check and gave it to God and said, here I am. Here I am. Send me. Listen, church, that is a kingdom prayer. That's, that's not a fleshly prayer. That's not an easy prayer to pray. That is a kingdom prayer. Here I am, Lord. I'm at your disposal. Here I am to be used by you in any way that you see fit. Here I am. Send me. And as such, listen, that, that should be a part of our prayer lives. That should be a part of our response to the grace that God has shown us. It should be our response to the call of God. God, here's my hands. Use them for your glory. Lord, here's my feet. Lead me where you want me to go. Here's my mouth. I yield it to you. I surrender it to you. I'll speak what you want me to speak. Here's my life, Lord. A living sacrifice. Does anybody remember that? A living sacrifice. The hardest kind of sacrifice there is to make is a living sacrifice. Here's my life. I'm still alive, but I give myself to you. I'll do what you want me to do. Here I am. Send me.
So tonight I want to challenge each and every one of us to begin to prayer, to begin to pray this, this prayer of availability that we find in Isaiah. And don't, don't just pray for God to be available to you. Don't, don't just pray for what you want, but pray and make yourself available to him for his purposes. We need, we need to begin to pray, God, interrupt me. God, God, interrupt me if you have to. Invite, invite the Lord to speak to you. Invite him to lead you to intercede about what matters to him. And invite him to send you forward, to commission you as an ambassador of his, as a child of his. Welcome the Lord to lead you and pray, here I am, send me. Not somebody else, not my brother, not the person behind me, send me. Not asking you to raise somebody else up to do the job, send me. Now, this prayer ought to come with a warning because it's a kingdom prayer. And when you start praying, send me, you better get ready. You better get ready because God's going to start nudging you. God, God's going to start dealing with you. God, God's going to take you up on your availability. If you, if you begin praying that, you can rest assured, God is going to interrupt you, he's going to move on you, and he's going to use you. And you'll get to the place saying, you know, I feel like I'm being used. Yeah, you are. You prayed. Here I am. Send me. So you might feel used sometimes because he's going to use you. So how, how do you attain and how do you maintain this kind of attitude before the Lord? Here I am, Lord. Send me. How, how do you live a fully surrendered life to God? Well, to gain some insight, I want to look at the verses that precede Isaiah's prayer in Isaiah 6 and 8. And I think it will build up to, to help us get to that point. So the first thing, the first thing that we're going to see here in this, in this chapter is that you need to have a genuine experience with the presence of God. If you're ever going to get to the place where you say, here I am, send me. My life is a blank check. Use me the way you want to. If you're ever going to get there, you've got to have, have an experience with the presence of God. Isaiah, look, look at Isaiah 6 and 1. It says this, that in the year that King Uzziah died, would you say the next four words with me? I saw the Lord. Isaiah saw the Lord. He experienced the glory of God. I saw the Lord, Isaiah said, in that year, and I saw him sitting on a throne, and I saw him high and lifted up, and it was so magnificent. His robe or train, it filled the entire temple. Church, Isaiah experienced the presence of God in a powerful way. He saw him in all of his majesty. He saw the Lord in all of his glory. This passage goes on to tell us in verse 2 and 3, it continues to describe the encounter. And here's what, here's what Isaiah said. Above it stood the seraphim. These are angelic beings. And, and each one had six wings. And with two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And then one cried to the other, these seraphim. They're talking to each other. And they're interacting with one another. And this is what they were saying there in the presence of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah had an encounter with the presence of God. 
Isaiah was exposed to the presence of the Lord. And when he experienced the glory of God for himself, it completely transformed him. It changed his outlook. It changed his perspective. Why? Because he found himself deep in the presence of God. And because of that, because of this revelation of who God was, it led him to the point of saying, here I am, Lord. Here's my life. Here's what I have and what I don't have. I'm available to you. Send me. Use me. So maybe tonight, if you're not fully available to God, maybe it's because you haven't experienced the awe-inspiring presence of the Lord in a personal way lately. Let me say it again. I'm not trying to be mean, but if you find yourself not being available to God, maybe it's because you've not been in his presence enough. Maybe it's because you're isolated from his presence. Maybe it's because you're not living in his presence like I taught about earlier in the year. And so because of that, you're not in the presence of the Lord. What what happens? You begin to get more self-focused. You, you begin to become more selfish in your nature. You begin to, you're kingdom focused, all right, but it's your kingdom. Why? Because you're not beholding the glory of God. You're not being reminded of his greatness. You're not being reminded of his awesomeness. So personally, I can tell you there have been some key times in my life when I've experienced the overwhelming presence of God for myself. There's, there have been times in the presence of the Lord where I've lost track of time. There's been times in the presence of the Lord that I didn't want it to end, that I didn't, I didn't want to leave. There, there have been times in my life where I've just been enraptured and caught up in his presence and in a moment like that and spending time with God in times like that, it sensitizes me to what God feels. It aligns me with his will instead of my will. In times in the presence of the Lord, it enables me to surrender to his purpose, and it brings me to a deeper place of submission. It brings me to a place of willingness where I can say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll surrender. I'll submit. Send me, even though I'm scared, even though I don't feel adequate. Anybody ever, ever felt that before? Just me. Even, even, even though I don't feel adequate, e- e- even though I'm not enough, even, even though I'm not sure how it's all going to work out, I'll say, yes, I'll do it. Send me. Some of you might not have ever had, had that happen to you before. And listen, I want to tell you right now that those kind of encounters with God are absolutely available to each and every one of us. It's not because I'm the pastor of this church. It's not because I'm a preacher. You can find yourself deep in the presence of God. God will reveal himself to you in a very real and personal way if you'll just give him the space, if you'll just allow him to do it. In fact, Scripture teaches that when you draw near to God, he's going to draw near to you. You don't have to be at some big conference surrounded by a 1,000 people. You don't have to be at some spiritual weekend retreat. It can happen anywhere And at any time you just make up in your mind to give God some space, it can happen tonight. 
It can happen as you drive down the road in your car. Turn on some worship music. You know what? The presence of God can flood that, and His Spirit can be so thick you got to roll down the window. He can meet you while you're out walking. He can meet you while you're out uh, hiking a trail. Listen, the only prerequisite is that you draw near to him. If you'll take a step in his direction, he'll take two in your direction. He'll draw near. Hallelujah. What I'm talking about tonight is foreign to you. What's, what's this depth of the presence of God? What's, what's this losing track of time? What, what's this going, going to a place that you don't even want to leave? What's that about? It's available to you. It's available to you. You just have to want it. You have to desire it. You just have to give space for it. Listen, when Isaiah experienced the presence of God, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, it changed him. So maybe that's all that, that, that's missing for you tonight, a genuine experience with the presence of God. Maybe, maybe that's why your priorities are a little bit misordered right now because you haven't been deep into the presence of the Lord where nothing else matters. You get into that place, nothing else matters. Nothing else is important, but I see the Lord. Hi. And I see him lifted up and his glory is just everywhere. And the train of his robe just fills the temple. And there's no room for anything else because the glory of God. The second thing that you need to stay in this kind of frame of mind, here I am, Lord, send me. The second thing is to have a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. This is a big deal. Sin's a big deal. Listen, having an awareness of your sinfulness is important, especially in this culture of tolerance that we're currently living in. Instead of owning our sin, we're told to live our truth. Instead of seeking repentance, we're told to seek acceptance and seek approval instead. Instead of changing our ways, we're instructed to champion our ways. But I want you to know, sin is still sin. Sin still grieves the heart of God. And we're all guilty of it. Amen. Don't pass the buck on this one. We're all guilty of it. We all need to be forgiven. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I want you to catch this. It was when Isaiah saw the glory of God that he realized how sinful he was. Come on, if you're getting lifted up in self-righteousness, you just need to go deep into the presence of the Lord. If you're beginning to think, man, you got your act all together and you're holy and you've got a halo floating over your head, you just need to go into the presence. You need to go a little bit deeper in the presence of the Lord. Because the deeper you go in the presence of the Lord, the more you realize I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. I'm, I'm undeserving. I don't measure up. He recognized, Isaiah recognized how holy God was, and it was in that moment that he recognized his own unrighteousness, and it was a genuine awareness of his own sinfulness that he came to see. We find it in verse 5 of Isaiah 6, that Isaiah cried out, and he said, Woe is me! 
I'm in the presence of God. I'm in the presence of the Lord. I'm in the presence of the Almighty. I'm seeing him high and lifted up. And here's what Isaiah says. Woe is me. I am undone. The New Living Translation says it like this. It's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. That's how Isaiah felt in that moment. Not, oh, I've got everything together. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm doing a good thing. Look at me. I'm, I'm in the presence. I'm seeing the Lord. No, I am undone. I am sinful. He goes on to say, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and for my eyes I've seen holiness now. I've seen righteousness, and, and I've seen goodness now, and it's not in me. I've seen the king. I've seen the Lord of hosts. So church, what does it take to get to a place where we're fully surrendered, to get to a place where we can pray again and again, here I am, Lord, send me. Listen, it takes a genuine experience with the presence of God, and it takes a genuine awareness of our sinfulness. Number three, I won't be much longer. The third thing that it takes is it takes a genuine understanding of God's grace. A genuine understanding of grace. You see, when you understand just how amazing grace is, it'll bring you to a point of full surrender. When you think about what God has done for you, Isaiah 6, beginning with verse 6, says this, Then one of them, the, the, the seraphim, one of the angels, flew to me, and having in his hand a live coal which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Listen, what happens next is a great image of the grace of God. The angel takes the coal, the live coal, off the altar and touches Isaiah's lips with it. And here's what the angel says. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Isaiah had just been, you know what, I'm aware of how sinful I am. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so aware of how short I have fallen. But the grace of God says I'm going to send an angel. And they're going to take a coal off the altar and put it on your lips and then make a declaration. Your iniquity is done away with. Your sin is gone. You have been purged. You have been washed clean. Listen, even though he was a sinful man, all it took for Isaiah was one touch from God and his sins were forgiven and washed away. We don't see Isaiah say, hey, you know what? Come back and do that again, angel. Oh, please, please, just come back and get, get five more coals. All it took was one time. All it took was you're forgiven. You're released. You're purged. Your iniquity is removed. And church, that's exactly what God does for us. Our lies and our half-truths, forgiven. <laughs> Our lustful attitudes, forgiven. Because when you confess your sins, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. So your self-centeredness, forgiven. Your pride, it's under the blood. 
Your angry outburst, they're purged from you and done away with. He takes all of our sins, and the Bible says he separates them from us as far as the east is from the west. The God who knows all things chooses to not remember. Praise God. Is anybody grateful for the grace of God tonight? Does anybody know that you're unworthy and you're undeserving and that you could never measure up on your own and that you could never get good enough to get God? Does anybody know that you could never attain to a place of righteousness that he would accept you? Oh, but it's the grace of God. Oh, it's the amazing grace of God. Come on, let's just thank the Lord for it right now. Hallelujah. And I want you to know tonight that when you understand the grace of God, it will transform everything. It will transform your outlook. It will transform your perspective. It will transform the way you live your life because you'll know it's not because of me, but it's all because of him. Just like that coal touched Isaiah's lips and removed his guilt, the blood of Jesus Christ covers all of our sins. And when we recognize that, hey, we don't bring anything to the table, he brings it all to the table. When we sense his presence and when we become aware of our own sinfulness and then when we experience the unmatched and undeserved grace of God, when we get to that point, then our only reasonable response is what we see from Isaiah in verse number 8. Isaiah 6 and 8, here I am. Here I am. Use me. Here I am. Work through me. Here I am. Send me wherever you want me to go to do whatever you want me to do. I'm a blank check. Give myself to you. Listen, you don't have to pray this prayer. You get to pray it. Sometimes we think about things all wrong. You don't have to. Nobody's going to force you. But as a child of God, you get to pray this prayer. You get to serve. Think, think one of our Dream Team shirts say on the back of it, I can't believe we get to do this. We get to partner with God in ministry. How humbling is that? How, is the, how amazing is that? That we can be a part of someone coming to repentance. How, how incredible is it that we as the church, that we can be in whatever capacity we serve, that we can be a part of facilitating somebody being born again. Oh, but pastor, I'm not preaching like you are. I'm just holding the door open and smiling. Yes, you are. And you've got just as much a part in somebody being saved as anybody else does. And we get to, we get to do this. We get to work together. Because listen, the last time I checked, we're called the body of Christ. It's not just one person, many members, one body. We all work together. 
We all have got to find our place doing what it is that God wants us to do. And when we do, how incredible is it that we get to serve? We get. You don't have to. I'm not going to twist your arm. You can just keep showing up. Just keep coming to church if that's what you want to do. But if you want to, you get to serve. You get to say, hey, God, put me in wherever you want me to go. Put me in the game, coach. I've been sitting on the bench a while. Put me in the game. Use me. Send me. Send, 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 send me to the nursery. So I, can, so I can be a blessing to some single moms so that they can come to church and have an uninterrupted time where they can just worship in the presence of the Lord and be replenished and be, and be strengthened and, and be renewed. Lord, send, send, send me to the parking lot. That way I can, I can be that first person that those guests see when they drive up on this campus and I can, I can meet them with a smile. They can know they're welcomed here regardless of their background, regardless of, of the baggage they're bringing with them, that they can know, hey, this is a place where they're going to be welcome. Listen, you don't have to, but you get to live this great adventure that he's calling us all to. You get to wake up every single morning and say, okay, God, it's a blank canvas. What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to today? Whose path do you want to lead me into? You don't have to, but you can. You get to. You get to be a vessel that he uses. You get to be the light that he uses to shine into darkness. You get to be a carrier of the anointing. You know what the anointing does? It destroys yokes. You can be at your job and you're the carrier of anointing in your job. Those yokes, those heavy burdens that your coworkers are carrying. You go out into the community, you go out and take your kid to the park and there's another mom, mom there, you know what, at that park, you're a carrier of the anointing and you get to, you get to be the vessel. You get to be the instrument that God uses. You get to be someone's answer to prayer. Have you ever had that experience before? Have you ever had that experience where, where you, you, you stepped through an open door that you took advantage of a divine appointment that God set up for you? You begin to minister, and the next thing you know, they're telling you, I've been praying. I've been praying for God to send someone. I've been praying for a sign. I've been praying. Come on. We get to, isn't that incredible? We have that privilege. We have that opportunity. We get to partner. You don't have to, but we get to partner with God. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, tlcdallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLC Dallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.